episode 81 of The Solution, a real estate podcast about putting the consumer first. And this is a special episode, A, because Phil's in France and I'm going to be here by myself, but B, this is more of a, a give back, right? Like, so today I'm going to share with you a little known secret. Welcome to The Solution, a real estate podcast hosted by Jeff Seabot and Phil Sexton. It's time to put the consumer first in real estate. Our podcast offers state-of-the-art internet tactics and lead conversion methods. We teach you how to become a better realtor and a more valued resource that your sphere will want to use. There's something called functional obsolescence. Okay, so we're going to talk about the the who, the what, the when, the where, the list of items, the why, the you know how do we solve this? But I don't know. I guess it started when I, because I made my hay as a buyer's agent. Uh, hi, I'm Jeff Seabach, right? So I've been in seventeen thousand homes, and this is what I've learned, right? So what I started to learn that because the challenge for agents is that they don't come across enough frequency of seeing things and what I call seeing trends. So then they don't um, know exactly how to, to frame it. So um, functional obsolescence is what, right? So let's talk about what it is. So obsolescence, according to Wikipedia, is the state of being, is the state of being which occurs when an object service or practice is no longer wanted though it may be in still in good order. So let's talk about how this occurred. So let's call it early 2011 when I was in a house and I went for a listing appointment and the house was listed in or built in 1996. Okay. So when I arrived at the appointment, the seller said had their list of upgrades out. And they, they said, I mean, the house was in the, well, they thought in the 850 range. And they said, well, you know, we put in $118,000 worth of the upgrades because they bought the model home. And of course, 18 years ago, if they bought the model home that they thought that they should be getting top dollar for this house. When I went to the house, it was kind of like, um, I don't know, it's, it was kind of like um, going to your grandmother's house where, you know, maybe things haven't been upgraded for a while. The house was in meticulous condition. It was gorgeous. It had, um, and they said that they only had, I think maybe they only, they had a second home somewhere. So they were only living on the carpet, you know, four months of the year or five months of the year. Therefore, the carpet was still 18 years old and it had started to fade a little bit. And for, they, uh, if I remember, they had a little doggy, but the doggy was well behaved and the carpet was in perfect condition. It was just 18 years old. And I was trying to come up with a way to describe to my sellers what these items were without them getting too mad at me, basically. Because when you tell, when you go, the thing, the toughest thing as a realtor is that when you go to houses, the 
goal of the realtor to get the listing is to love thy house, which, you know, um, can lead to the realtor embellishing on their, uh, how much they truly like the house. Cause it's, it's kind of odd, but sellers do tend to list houses with people that agree with them. Usually in price, it's why we have, you know, last year we had 112,000 homes sold in Maricopa County, and we sold 95,000. Well, that means, you know, basically 20,000 were left on the market or, you know, canceled each year. How can functional obsolescence help you? Well, one is it can help you learn to articulate, but mostly it's to recognize these things because what, what learning about functional obsolescence will do for you is it will help you better price properties, help you be more honest with your sellers, and therefore it's putting the consumer first because you're not misleading them on price. Because what I've learned is that at first I thought it was that realtors misprice property, you know, to get listings because that is still true. I learned that maybe they just didn't know. And I think it's because functional obsolescence is truly a comp conversation because each item has um, a price effect. Meaning, because the way that I term functional obsolescence is, uh, is this way. So they are a list of items that cause that house to be worth less, not worthless, to be worth less than the neighbor comp that has everything the same except for that item. And therefore, it will take longer to sell due to this lessened demand. Because it's really simply about supply and demand. I'm going to talk about a few of these items to, to get us rolling on this. But the reality is, is that... It will help you price property properly. Wow, there's a tongue twister for you. Um, and what that means is that, it, I mean, I have to come out and say, um, if you're currently pricing property using price per square foot, that is um, danger, is the word, danger. Because it is very inaccurate and it will cause you to mislead people. Um, it's actually, to me, kind of uh, frustrating that the industry and lots of people on TV use price per square foot because that's really just an average. And that my goal with the solution is to create experts in the industry and experts wouldn't rely on averages to price. They would actually, you know, get out there and learn what everything in the house is worth. Therefore, they wouldn't rely on price per square foot because functional obsolescence, there's values for each of these things, and therefore you can't rely on price per square foot. So um, there's better ways to price properties. The neighborhood selling the range. That's not going to be today's conversation, but either way, just I want, trying to get you to understand what functional obsolescence is, and then I'm going to teach you how to solve it. Okay, so I think we got to the what, so the who, who has it? Well, the reality is, is most homes have some type of functional obsolescence 
Um, but it is not, homes are not required to have functional obsolescence. It just means that things that people don't want. Okay, Jeff, give me an example. All right. So for instance, in most neighborhoods over 400,000 or where gas is allowed, a electric stove is functional obsolescence. Now that doesn't mean nobody wants a gas stove. And what through my research has found is that, you know, about 70% of people will not make an appointment to see a house if it has an electric stove. Therefore, it's not in massive demand. And as I said, it will make that house take longer to sell and then sell for less money when it sells because it has it, because it's not the thing that everybody wants. Because the challenge is, is that when there's not a lot of demand, it takes it longer to sell. And we know that the biggest enemy of listing houses and getting top dollar is homes that sit on the marketplace. Okay, we got a couple questions. I'm hoping he may give us some script verbiage he uses sellers to tell them. I would like to hear how he approaches it and how compare that with how I do it. Okay, thank you, Tanya. Thank you so much for your question. Okay, well, the first thing is to uh, be able to identify it. When you identify it, I, um, I like to compare it to just supply and demand, right? So, and then I like to, um, you know, the thing is, is you have to start to build up a understanding of what percentage of the audience or what percentage of their target buyer wants it because the things about functional obsolescence is you can have functional obsolescence for a family that's not functional obsolescence for an empty nester home like for instance no pool with a community pool now that may be that would probably be functional obsolescence for a family home but for an empty nester home that might be the preferred type but all right so reread the question what is the another question actually okay so, um, okay, so let's say the neighbor, so one of the obvious functional obsolescences is that the house backs to power lines or another one is it backs to the major freeway, like the 101. Because what happens is when people live in a house, they totally forget that this exists because they've adapted to this negative but what gets people to buy a house with functional obsolescence is affordability is that this is why neighborhoods sell on a range is because there always is something usually location that at that price it becomes okay to buy something because you got a great freaking deal is what it is meaning that in a neighborhood, eventually at some price, like I usually say like there's a neighborhood we'll call, I'll call it Greyhawk in that because Greyhawk has a great school district. And even though the worst house on the worst lot is still, the kids are going to get to the, go to that school district. So at some point there's going to be a huge demand because if you're, um, 
budget is not large, but you really want something, it's kind of like a base car. Like it's better than a horse and buggy, but at least I have a car. But it's why, you know, because they know that they can always sell it because there's always going to be someone that's going to want some of the features, meaning that, you know, the homes with lots of functional obsolescence will certainly hurt its value. But what is the script? I think I just, I just go with, I love the hand gesture. I know that we're on a podcast. So what I like to do is I like to take my arms and I like to reach them, um, like pretend like I'm hugging me or let's say my, my, my aunt sissy, my aunt sissy, God bless her soul was, you know, pushing 350. So when I hugged aunt sissy, the arms were, were, were extended around the outside and then they touched making a circle. And what I say is, is this pool is all of the buyers looking to buy. So if the house that backs to the power lines, I'm in the house, I would say, you know, of all the buyers, let's say that's a, a thousand buyers that are looking for a five bedroom, five bath, you know, 5,000 square feet house on an acre lot with a pool, like describing these upgrades. And then I would take my hand as if I was going to be um, grabbing a, a broom with both hands wrapped around the pole, right? So making that because less than 3% of the people demand this. And it's that, that this is the script. I know it sounds crazy, but the um, that lack of demand, because most people believe and understand supply versus demand. And then if you explain to them, there's just that very little, because what happens is they see it, but there's too many people that then instantly rule it out. I don't know, any feedback. All right, so next one, if the FO can't be fixed, how do you determine how much you would spend for that offset? Great question, Stacy. Well, because I think that's really what it's ultimately about is determining what is the cost. And the way that I usually do it is I usually like to look for when I'm first getting started, if I don't have any comps or any traditional, like there's certain major, like to me, power lines or the one-on-one is worth 12 to 15%, right? So for roads, I have, it's based on their speed and their amount of traffic starting with, like, cause if you back to an interior road, there's, you know, pros and cons to that where, because the functional obsolescence isn't that bad, but the way that you look for it is you look for the same exact upgrades in a house and then you look for one that sold without that existing somewhere so let's say it's if it is the road then you would to me it's hard because you have to go outside the subdivision to find one and i can remember a house that i sold that back to hayden down on indian school and i would draw in the mls up and down indian school or up and down Hayden, only go only using all of the lots that back to it, not side to it, because backing to uh, Hayden, which is uh, for those that don't live in Arizona, Hayden is, uh, I think at that part, it's a 50 mile an hour street. 
it's three lanes, divided highway, and it's got lots of noise. Generally, that's worth 10 to 12%, but how you would figure it out is because is sometimes it won't, meaning in different neighborhoods, it's gonna be worth more or less. Let's say, I mean, I used to teach, tease my, um, my best friend is an ENT, ear, nose, and throat doctor, and he has people come in with hearing disorders, because people with hearing disorders love backing to the freeway because they can't hear it. <laughs> okay, good deal. All right, so back to determining it. So I like to look, what is the most expensive home that ever sold that had the equivalent bedrooms, bathrooms, and that condition? Meaning, if it's along the power line, the software that we have in, in Maricopa County, the Flex MLS system allows you to draw a map only choosing the exact house that backs to it that sold. And then what I like to do is, is it's easier to predict the yearly appreciation and add it on. So what I like to do is I go back further in time and I would even go back five years or seven years because it's a better predictor of value than taking off functional obsolescence, meaning like, well, I found a sale that didn't have a pool, but it backed to the road. It was the same floor plan. Because this is why you need to learn what the values of the different items are in the house. Because when you supply and subtract, you need to start to learn, well, this kitchen's worth this, this master bathroom's worth this. And then if you add that or subtract that, I don't know, hopefully that answered your question, Stace. But the big thing is, is you got to compare it because the functional obsolescence that I described with the power line or the road is a of the four major areas, kitchen, master bath, bathrooms, and outdoor space. It's affecting the outdoor space, which actually has the highest impact of value. So that means the other three have to remain pretty consistent. And then it's only that item that the comparable property doesn't have. And comparing it to a base, like meaning that you can't go from power, you know, backing to a road to a golf course lot because there's actually a premium because technically a standard lot is not the best lot. It's just the baseline that we work things off of. Woo! This is why it's too hard to learn this stuff from sitting behind a computer. You have to go out and see this stuff because the hardest part about functional obsolescence is... Um, where does it exist and when does it exist? So let's go through some of the items that are functional obsolescent. Most recent sales that are just super upgraded homes. I mean, this occurs a lot in luxury subdivisions is that the comps that sell, the agent doesn't notice that there's been six houses that have been listed and did not sell. Or maybe like I was just at one where there was six homes sold over the last two years and there was 20 listed because this is an odd look at functional obsolescence because you cannot subtract the cost of items because only the super upgraded ones sold and there's just more features to it. So that's a big way of misjudging values because essentially functional obsolescence is really just helping you understand the supply and demand on a certain type of home. So how about um, a house is behind it, but the house behind it is on a higher lot. 
Um, those are difficult to explain to a seller, Tanya, because the, I mean, why it creates the functional obsolescence is, is that if you're standing in the house at the front door and you look out the back and all you see is a block wall, the buyer then thinks that they're in prison. <laughs> but the way that somebody gets into the house is because they get it for a deal and that essentially when anything causes a house to get for a deal, essentially that's what qualifies it for functional obsolescence. So let's get through a couple of them. I won't go into too much, but a short backyard, even if it has a good side yard, meaning if the standard lot is a half an acre, on the right side, the lot is butt up against another subdivision, so they cut off that. So when they put the house on it, or let's say that all the most of the houses are two stories and this one has a because the, the the single level homes have a larger footprint it makes the backyard really short now if that's an empty nester subdivision that may not be so bad but most people want a little bigger yard so they can hang out so the functional obsolescence is because what it is is mama likes their chitlins to be playing in the backyard that she can see and if you have a short backyard, but you have a bigger side yard, it creates, I mean, to me, it's probably three to 5% for that instance. How do we solve functional obsolescence? Okay, so what I like to, this is how I like to compare it. And I love my analogy here and how I like to explain it is, um, it's like online dating or just like dating in general. So I had a friend that was, um, that had a very good job and um, he was not as attractive uh, and he was maybe had a belly like me, you know, um, and he was shorter, right? Like he was not over, I think it was like, you know, he was mid five somewhere in there. But anyway, this guy got lots of dates. Got lots of dates, right? And I was like, he's not that good looking and he's, you know, he's not, he doesn't work out. He's not built like a Greek God. He smoked and, you know, his smile wasn't that great. And I, you know, and then I learned that, that his dad was Bill Gates. <laughs> it wasn't really Bill Gates, but the idea is that they had a lot of money. So it's the same thing with houses is that when you have functional obsolescence, cause there's, you know, like my wife wanted to marry, my wife's tall, she's five, seven. She said when we, when I first met her is that she was, you know, she was wanted to date a guy that was, you know, taller. She was looking for someone in the six foot range and I'm only five foot 10. So how do we get over functional obsolescence is the same thing in getting someone over. Um, and I was broke, so I was, you know, not doing too well. So then I needed to, you know, increase the charm, right? Like, so whatever it is, is the way that we saw functional obsolescence is you have to either improve the other qualities and one is price. The other one's condition. Um, 
So either you're going to have to sell it for a lower price or you're going to have to, I like to use the word special good, right? Special good is the opposite of functional obsolescence. And that's something whenever someone sees it, they have to have it. So the way that we solve functional obsolescence is either we remove it, we improve it, or we make the other item stronger. So for instance, if Bill Gates is grandfather, right? His grand, the, the, the Bill Gates example, let's say his grandfather was not Bill Gates. So now how does, you know, so maybe he um, goes and gets a, cause you know, just what are the thing, what is the demand curve on the houses, right? So let's just pick a good one. So, um, cause it's hard because you have to understand who the target buyer is. But we had a house last year, in the beginning of the year, when I went out to the house, the house was in good condition. And this is hard because lots of realtors try, but they truly don't understand the demands and functional obsolescence in selling houses because it's a, it's a slippery slope. And experience really matters in trying to navigate slippery slopes, right? Like just like if you're going to run down a uh, snow-covered hill, you know, it's going to be slippery and you're going to fall, right? So two realtors had been trying to sell this house over 500 days. And actually, both realtors had sold more than 500 homes apiece and they sold them in the area, and they, you know what I mean? But they couldn't sell this house. So what they did not understand was is that they needed to solve functional obsolescence. So what they tried to do is they tried to put upgrades in the house, but unfortunately, they upgraded the wrong things, and that is the very frustrating and then very difficult on us who was the third realtor to get them also to upgrade things. Well, anyway, the big item in the house was that it was a couple from, they were German. And they're, when they moved into the house, the couple's kids were six and eight years old. And Papa, Daddy, loved gardening and agriculture. So he spent a lot of time at an acre lot. It was at the end of a cul-de-sac. Now, mind you, it was a four, four or five bedroom house. Uh, I think it was a couple en suites. And the first realtor was like, wow, cul-de-sac lot, right? We priced it right, it should sell. Didn't sell. Second realtor comes in and changes, puts hardwood in the family room, but leaves functional obsolescence in a little bit in the master bath, as well as in the kitchen and the outdoor space. And unfortunately, this is why flooring is fourth. Um, anyway, remember everything could be solved with price, but they wanted top dollar for their house. Well, what Pops did was he grew the plants and he had grown these bushes. They were, um, I, th I think they should have been submitted to uh, uh, homes and garden. I don't know. Like, you know, I mean, he loved these bushes and they had grown to be about six feet tall. And he loved them because this is the objection, Tanya, is the seller, when I told him, he was like, no. He's like, I, I love those bushes. Well, he grew up the plant so high 
that you could not stand in the kitchen and see the grass in the backyard because you saw the trees and the bushes had overgrown and blocked the major feature uh, that was to the house because it was a five bedroom house, four or five bedroom house. It was a family house, it was 5,000 square feet with a pool. And I said, this is what we need to be pointing out, right, to, to so that we can sell a house. Um, in addition, their backsplash was, uh, I don't know if it was slate, it was dark, it was, you know, it was just out of trend. And that's the whole thing behind functional ops lessons is it's the items that are out of trend, therefore lack demand for, kind of like, um, I, I like it was like jeans. I like comparing jeans, right? Because when I was a kid, it was guest jeans. But now I don't wear guest jeans, so I wouldn't buy them. Therefore, they're out of trend. I don't know, maybe. I think my wife might wear guest jeans. Maybe for women, it's different. But that's exactly the point here. Anyway, so the script that I use is I said I will <laughs> contribute and arrange for. Um, but the thing is, is the confidence that it will sell is what needs to be delivered in the script is that if you remove those bushes, Mr. Seller, it will sell for sure. But that's why you need to be really educated on the functional obsolescence items that you'd be moving the most. Because I know that the previous agent also told them that it will sell for sure if they you know, remove some of the carpet. But the problem is, is that they did not, um, there was some, uh, older cabinetry that was off colored in the house. We painted that. We added a backsplash because usually I, what I say is to the sell, what I said to that seller is it's kind of like when we find mold, you can't just cut to the mold. You have to cut beyond the mold to make sure you get it all that. I mean, it, it works best when you're in a house that has not been listed because those previous sellers, um, those, you know, being on the market for, plus 400 days, they do not want to do that again because that's a super frustrating thing for people. So um, fortunately, we removed the functional obsolescence and the house sold the first weekend um, on the market and within 1% of list price when the previous agents couldn't sell it. And we only invested, I think for that one, it was only $7,000 total. Right, so it's, it doesn't have to be expensive, but it's identifying what are the worst items. Questions? No, yeah, all right, so let's go through some of these. Any steps in the house at all in the empty nester neighborhood? Um, steps at walkout to backyard. Actually, one of the items of funk that this house had too was that the, they had a huge, gorgeous, long extended patio in the backyard. <clears throat> but when you got to the middle of the patio, you, would da you had to go down these seven steps. Well, we put in little flagstone ped pods to walk out to the yard so that the people didn't have to go down the steps because it just, you know, it's just creative. It's being creative because lots of steps is what 
is now a functional obsolescence in today's marketplace. I mean, the reason is, is that people are now living in their houses longer than they ever have because they used to only live in their house five years and now it's still like 9.8 years or longer um, that they're living in their house. Therefore, they think they're going to live there longer and the chances of someone having bad health is greater. All right, so let's talk about some other other items. A small master closet in a family home, or even in general. Uh, no grass in the backyard. No upgrades in the master bath. For instance, carpet in the master bath is clearly functional obsolescence. And it doesn't mean that your aunt from Iowa doesn't love having carpet, because she does, but unfortunately, um, what are the odds that you're going to find the person that loves the carpet and all the other conditions is what creates functional obsolescence? Um, no upgrades in the secondary bathrooms. Uh, okay, how about this one? Home does not have consistent theme. So let's say the home is of Tuscan descent and uh, mama watches HGTV and she creates a Mexican theme in her powder room. Um, unless mama has a lot of design taste that creates functional obsolescence because it's hard to find somebody that wants an all Tuscan house with a Mexican themed, you know, so, um, one of the hardest functional obsolescence items is their best feature is not what the potential buyer may want. Um, the two-story guest house in an empty nester subdivision, or just even two-story guest houses, is because guest house, right? Best feature, except that you had to go up steps to get to it. Smoke odor, smoker odor, uncleanliness, functional obsolescence. Nothing can cure being overpriced unless it's spectacular. So the odd part about it is, is Spectacular houses can sell when they're overpriced because they're still in high demand. Meaning that, let's say that someone was at a dance and Heidi Klum was there and she said it cost a million dollars to dance with me. She would still get offers that were less, right? However, someone that's not as tall and lean and, you know, she's an actress and a star... Right. I mean, the thing is, is, if you're not that spectacular, then you don't get you don't get offers. So it's why we need to pay attention. And the, the biggest key is that if you do not realize, I mean, we, we just listed the house today in Silverleaf that the previous agent did not understand functional obsolescence and he tried to sell a house through it. And that's why it did not sell brass too much carpet. Um, white tile, wide grout lines, all these items are functional obsolescence. So, uh, oak cabinetry, dark floor throughout. Like these are just things that the hardest one, the one that fools most is the house when people, cause when people get into functional obsolescence, they're always trying to look for it, you know, but when there's nothing, I mean, this is the positive one. When you have a house that has zero functional obsolescence, the odd part is, is that even if nothing's great of the items that they have, just not at a trend totally, 
that house sells for more because of the lack of the negative. All right, let's see. So I gave you the list, when, where. I mean, functional obsolescence exists in every single market all the way across America because there's always things that are in preference and not in preference. So it's just the items that you know that, you know, it's kind of like homes that are 7,000 square feet in two levels. Right now, nobody wants them. So those are the, you know, it's, uh, therefore the house has to be spectacular because isn't it funny that new homes that are 7,000 square foot are selling? Right, because everything's new, everything's spectacular. Therefore, the functional obsolescence of the two-story gets muted by everything else being spectacular. It's kind of why plastic surgery wasn't was invented. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. So that is, uh, you know, if you got any questions, let me know. Hopefully, that was helpful. But the goal is to help you help your sellers sell their house for top dollar. So thank you and have an awesome day. Thank you for listening. Now more than ever, it is important to put the consumer first. Check us out on all major streaming platforms like SoundCloud, iTunes, Player FM, Google Play, and Stitcher. Information about one-on-one coaching or solution events, text 480-530-7972.